And we are back on the Banter Network. I'm your host, Sam Kruchikov, coming to you live from sunny South Florida. In today's special episode, I'm joined by my co-host, Brandon Hulkman, as always, and very special guest, John Beam. He's the football coach at Laney Community College and star of the Netflix series, Last Chance You. Make sure to stick around to listen to John Beam's stories for, and all of our great conversations. You don't want to miss this. Welcome to the Banter Network. I'm fired up, man. You guys ready to get started? Uh, yes, coach. Yes, we are. Um, All right. You know how we got to start this, right? We got to go two claps. Ready, ready? All right. Let's go, boys. <laughs> All right. So the first question is, uh, the Times Herald uh, referred to you or gave you the nickname as the godfather of, oh, bless you. Thank you. So they named, they dubbed you the name the Godfather of uh, football in Oakland. Um, can you just talk about what that means to you? I thought it was pretty interesting. The first time I heard it actually was when I went to the A's game to throw out the first pitch, and everybody just started picking that up, right? And you know, it was pretty it's pretty remarkable, right? Because I think football has been such a big part of the community here in Oakland, and to say mm-hmm. that you're a Godfather of it. It means a lot, especially when I didn't grow up in this community, right? But it also says that I made an impact to a lot of people over 40 years. And I think that's the true value, right? That's the true payoff, you know, longevity and just making a difference. Yeah, and you really did make a difference for the city. And you you mentioned that you didn't grow up in, in Oakland. So why why Oakland? What, in your opinion, makes the city so special? You know, I think what it is, um, why Oakland for me was by chance, right? I mean... I grew up in San Diego. Um, you know, I was going to play at San Diego Mesa, going to San Diego State. I meet my future wife. She transfers to Berkeley. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll just go up to Northern California, try something new. I was going to go to San Francisco State, right? But okay. I went over there in the summer, like in July. I'm in shorts, you know, flip flops. I'm freezing <laughs> my ass off. I'm like, I can't, I can't live in San Francisco. So I went over to Cal State Hayward. And then I was just looking for a place to live. You know, she was at Berkeley and I was in Hayward and Oakland was right in the middle. I didn't know anything about Oakland, really. Mm-hmm. And I, we just moved there and that's kind of where we, we lived. And then I got this first opportunity to coach at Skyline. It was unbelievable, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, we started winning and the talent was there and they offered me the head job. And, you know, it was, a, it was by chance. Can you believe that? It was literally by chance that wow. I'm in Oakland. And then once I started, I didn't want to leave, right? Oakland is so inviting, right? Oakland, at one point, I read it was the most diverse city in the country. Mm. And if you walk around, you know, you got people that look like you, no matter who you are, right? And, and, and remember, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, I'm what you call a hapa, right? I'm a half guy, right? So okay. I can see people that look like me, hapa. They're hapas, or guys are Korean, they're people American, American, Native American, whatever, Black, Polynesian, whatever, but you can see this mm-hmm. mix. And so it's inviting. And I'll tell you what, the thing about Oakland I really appreciate, they don't take bullshit, right? So they don't care who you are. There's no pretense that you come in with money in your pocket or the best car or anything. Like, do you do what you say you're going to do? And if you do that, then, you know, they love you and they go from there. So I thought it was pretty, it it fit for me, right? As a working class. Mm -hmm. And remember, I grew up not liking the Raiders. I won't say hate, but, you know, (laughs) not liking definitely, right? But it's like the old Raiders really reflected this community, right? Mm-hmm. Of 
chip on your shoulder, get it done, blue collar. I think it was kind of fit me to a T. Right. I mean, you talk about like how the culture is in Oakland and, and I think a big point in the show or maybe an underlying point uh, during the season was the fact of it, it was changing, like Oakland was changing and like maybe more so with the gentrification and the pushing out of some of the hardworking, hard class uh, families. So, um, and you're like, has it changed? Like, has it changed as much as the show like really presented it, or is it still there's still some a bit of Oakland left? You know, it has. When you look, I mean, this is back all the way back in like 2008 when the first kind of the housing meltdown, right? Mm -hmm. Even now, you're looking at houses in crack neighborhoods. I mean, literally, right? That are you know selling for eight, you know. 800,000, 700,000. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like, really? Um, it's incredible, right? Because people want to live here because it's vibrant. But they, mm -hmm. but if you move more, if you become more homogeneous as a society, do you lose that vibrance? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's the difference that brings the vibe, I think, right? And so I think you almost, and I don't want to say it like a whitewash it, but it does change the, the dynamics, right? When I, when I live in my neighborhood, my first house, I mean, it was a dynamic neighborhood of people that there was many different people, right, mm -hmm. from different walks of life that made it vibrant, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's what's interesting, you know? So, yeah, it's different. In some ways, it's good, right? There's some new businesses coming in. There's more job opportunities. Mm -hmm. But right. it hasn't trickled down, right, you know, to the sense that the schools haven't become better necessarily. Like the public schools are still pretty bad. And mm -hmm. that's what we got to change. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you actually summarized it perfectly there where it, it makes certain things a little better. It makes certain things a little worse. It gives some people the opportunity to improve, but it also takes a little bit out uh, of the vibe of the city. And it all comes together when you said that you ended up there by chance, right? So a lot of people now are moving there uh, with a purpose, but you moved there uh, by chance. And that kind of ties in perfectly with the title of the show, Last Chance You, but you were quoted saying that you don't like that uh, that moniker for, for the school. You said that we're your first chance, we're your best chance. Uh, yeah. So can you tell me more about what that means to you? Right, you know what I mean? Like, it's not your last chance. When they went to Scuba, Mississippi or Independence, Kansas, right? Mm -hmm. Their roster was made, were made up of, of these guys that had been bounced back, right? That had mm -hmm. went originally to these power fives and didn't make it, right? So last, mm -hmm. hence the name Last Chance You. Our kids never got the choice at all to go anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So we're your best chance. Come over here with us. Let us help you, right? Let us help you help yourself. That's what we do, right? We, we make you stronger. We teach you, you know, how to play football better, that better skill development. But more importantly, mm -hmm. we start to believe in you as a student. Everybody forgets, right? It says student athlete, not mm -hmm. athlete student. So, you know, we need to make sure that they, we help them out student-wise, right? And we pride ourselves on that, right? I wasn't mm -hmm. a great neither of my parents graduated from high school right and yet i have a master's degree my daughter wow. has a phd you wow. know what i'm saying congratulations and so thank you but it's all about education education opens doors mm -hmm. and like i tell people this you know and I, and I tell my players as i tell the students i taught for years because you have a degree doesn't mean that you're smarter than somebody else it just means that you stuck it through to finish mm -hmm. Right, you've heard that BS bullshit, MS more shit, PhD pile higher and deeper, 
right? <laughs> and so really what it means is that you could pursue, like when you graduate high school, you pursued, a, you know, to finish it for, you know, 12 years, if you count mm-hmm. kindergarten, 15 years, that you went through a process. If you go get your A degree or you go get your BA degree, that you went through the process. For most people, once you get your degree, mm-hmm. you go to the job market, they're going to teach you really what you really need to know, right? Mm-hmm. right. right. So it goes from there. So Sam, let me ask you a question. Yep. You got this cool background. What's up with my man Brandon over? He ain't got nothing going. We can't get some to help his room out a little bit. You got this window shade. Looks like a dorm room window shade or something. Come on, man. We got it is. Okay, there you go. You yeah. This thing spiced up, baby. Come on now. Every time he tried to put it on, it, it would make it look all glitchy. Maybe his head gets cut off or something. So oh, we can't <laughs> do that. Okay. All right. uh, but but uh, good on you for for noticing that and pointing it out. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, back uh, to the topics. But that was funny. Yeah. Um, the season prior to the show, your team won the national championship. You want to re- relive that experience for us? Yeah. First of all, we won the state championship. And mm-hmm. I want to preface this, right? So we won the state championship. Historically, when you win the California state championship, you also consider the number one team in the country, the mm-hmm. national champion, because we have more schools play football, mm-hmm. two-year football in California than the rest of the country combined, right? Wow. But for this year, they decided somebody decided to make um, East Mississippi national champ, right? They said, all right, well, why? <laughs> well, you know, we voted it. Well, who's we? Did you see mm. us play? Did you see them play? I've never seen them play, right? You know? <laughs> and then what was funny was that the same guy who said that, he had wrote a pre-thing that said that if if East Mississippi loses or doesn't win big, he was mm. going to declare Ventura the national champ. But we spank not we spank Ventura. So <laughs> i.e., we should be national champ, right? Mm-hmm. But we didn't do that. But then there was this other guy came out later, and I forgot his name, but he does a ranking based a mathematical ranking. Mm-hmm. And with that ranking, he we were the highest ranked two-year school in the country. In fact, we were higher ranked than a couple of division one schools. Wow. By his math, you know. So I said, all right, we're the, we're the number one team in the nation, you know, by this ranking. But when you relive that year. And I say this in all honesty, right? When you win that game, unless you're Alabama, probably, you know, it's by luck. (laughs) It's by chance Mm -hmm. because you have to stay healthy, right? To get to that point. We don't have rosters that are so deep that you lose your starting quarterback. You're in trouble. You know, Mm -hmm. you lose an extra corner. You're in trouble. You, for us, we went in that game with one and a half running backs, and we run wow. the ball, right? Mm. And our running back that just was the MVP of the game, he couldn't barely walk the week before the game. Luckily, we had a bye that he could recover. Mm-hmm. And so when I say that, and I don't diminish what we did, I'm just saying to get to that point, there's a lot of luck involved, right? Mm-hmm. The cards have to fall right. But I'll tell you what, our kids played their asses off. Mm-hmm. And they went hard. We were the underdogs. We're the first small school to ever win the championship. We're the first school with only eight out-of-state players. No one mm-hmm. believed in us, right? And right. we did it. I mean, we came after with every phase. And let me just say this, and I tell this story, and I truly mean it. The game is down to the last play of the game. Their quarterback goes back to throw, and he scrambles. Mm-hmm. And we tackle him short, obviously, you know, like, you know, pretty short. 
but I can't tell how much time's left on the clock. Like, oh my God, they got a chance to throw one more ball in the end zone. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I see all the kids running out on the field. So that obviously <laughs> the clock is off. Uh-huh. So, you know, I just start running too. And the first thing I see my DB coach who played for me in high school, right? Mm-hmm. And I jump on him and he just carries me. Then I realize I better go shake the other, you know, <laughs> coach's hand. So I go shake his hand. Then I thought about, wait a minute, you know what? I need to go see my wife, my daughter, my mm. sister, my family. So I ran up into the stands and I wanted to share with the people that are important to me in my life that helped me get there. But mm. as I'm running up into the stands, I kind of look down and I notice all our players ran to the middle of the field, helmets, ice, everybody going up. And then they turned from the middle of the field and ran to the far end zone where the scoreboard was. Mm-hmm. Why were they running there? Well, later when I watched the film, I saw why. What they ran to was to see Ramon. So prior to the state championship, the first round of the playoffs, Ramon was a starting defensive lineman. And he had in that game, he had two sacks and two tackles for losses. Mm. Preparing for the Northern California championship on that week, on that Tuesday, going through a walkthrough blitz, another guy ran into him and he went down in excruciating pain. He ended up um, fracturing his tibia, or my fault, his fibia. Mm-hmm. that's the biggest bone in your body to break on something like that. There was something more. So what they ended up doing was finding out he had cancer. Oh. And so he was at that game in the end zone in a wheelchair and the kids ran to him, their brother to celebrate with him. That's what it's all about. Fast mm-hmm. forward even less than a, a year, like one week less than a year from the time he was diagnosed with that, you know, that cancer, mm-hmm. he died. So during the filming of Last Chance You, you know, before the last game, he actually died from mm-hmm. cancer at 19 years old with a daughter. And so when I looked and I looked out there and it made me understand, not made me, but I always knew this. It really is a family, right? Mm-hmm. And these are young men from all different walks in life. But at the, the, the pinnacle of their career for many of them, winning the number, you know, the championship, mm-hmm. they ran to be with their brother, their teammate, and embrace him for that as well. When I saw that, it told me what it means that these young men carry in their hearts for each other. Mm-hmm. You cannot trade that for anything. That's inspiring. No, that, I mean, honestly, that I, I, we – from the start of that season, we got just a glimpse of you guys winning that national championship to hear all the stuff prior. I mean, it sounds honestly inspirational. Like, I mean, I've obviously done youth, uh, youth sports and I've, you know, I've had friends on the sports. I never felt a bond that like you guys have felt on like being on a team on a, especially on a winning team as it is. So that, that, that's like, that's a really special story there. Um, just following up about it. You know, you talk about the family, you talk about, you know, the, culture that you set at the school and the uh, at the program and the fact that you know you've been able to you know that you have guys that come from all walks of life um you know how it, how important is it to for them to make sure that they're in a good position to you know move forward in that it, it move forward and potentially it's huge, right well yeah my, my whole deal is right i'm trying to make them better than when they came to us right and mm-hmm. since put them in a better environment better situation right and so to me i believe it's education right mm-hmm. it's it's further than that right and we're looking at trying to have careers not jobs right. when you go to a job every day you hate it you're just you're just working for the check 
Right. When you have a career, right. you believe in what you're doing, right? And you're trying to make something better of it. So we want to put them in a position to get careers. And so mm -hmm. just with an AA degree, you know, you know, the statistics show with a high school diploma, you're liable to make more money than without one, right? An A degree mm -hmm. more than that. And then you try to get a BA or BS. And so we work on that, right? And we, we are, we pride ourselves in 90% at graduation slash transfer. Mm -hmm. And with our young people, young men leave, some of them, they don't all go, to, you know, to USC or UCLA. They mm -hmm. go to you know, Kansas Wesley, you know, they go to, you know, a uh, 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 Minot State, mm -hmm. Oberlin College, right? Who cares where they go? They're getting a free education and they get to keep playing football. Go right. for it, young fella. You know what I mean? Embrace it. And then you meet some new people in a new community that, you know what? Maybe that just like me, a chance they'll adopt you like Oakland adopted me. And that's your mm -hmm. new, where you're going to end out for the rest of your life, right? So right. we take that, I take that, seriously you know that i want you to um really you know get that going and so it's important to do take those opportunities right mm -hmm. we do get hung up on d1 we get hung up on power five mm -hmm. and i'm like look if someone's paying you to go to school give you a free education and let you keep pursuing your dream mm -hmm. what does it matter where it is and so that, you know, that's the heart, that's probably the hardest thing I have to deal with, right? Get people to, you know, visualize that. Yeah. To get everybody on the same page to, to see the bigger picture. Exactly. Um, how about when there is a camera crew and all this national attention coming from uh, the Netflix show, does that change the, the way that you approach your, your conversations or maybe from not even from your side, but from the, the guys on the team, uh, the, the reactions to that new environment that, that maybe they're not as used to. Well, let me ask you this. You both are in college, right? Right. You right. know, young guys, are you guys on social media a lot? Yeah. 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 You guys take videos to put on social media a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you've been on camera all the time already. So what's the difference for you? It's for me, that's different, right? Right. So it is a little bit different, but here's the thing, right? The, one of the biggest uh, compliments I got from people that kn knew me. So like Sean Payton hit me up after the show came out. He knew me from 27 years ago. We met, we met. Okay. He goes, you haven't changed in 27 years. You're the same guy. I still coach the same way. I coach either whether you consider it hard. So I don't know, whatever I do, I'm the same, right? My hair has gotten a little bit, tinted you know a little highlighted a little bit different it's not as black as it used to be <laughs> you know what i mean but i'm still right. the same guy i'm still gonna ride you hard and hug you up just as harder right mm -hmm. and so those haven't changed the cameras yes the first couple of days you're like oh my god where are, look these people are everywhere <laughs> dome brother but right. after a while they become part of you as they hear your stories and peel your layers mm -hmm. away they start telling you their story. So two of the people, a cameraman and one of the producers actually grew up in Oakland, right around mm. where we were at. And one was estranged from his father and we're like, okay, let's have that conversation. Mm -hmm. So you start finding out there's more commonality than there was differences. So, you know, it was good. And then you forget they're even there. The day okay. that I realized they weren't there anymore was the day they didn't show up anymore. Like, oh my God, this got <laughs> sad. You know, where's my guy? Because every day when I walk in, I walk in on my, in the field house somewhere around 930, you mm -hmm. know, they're waiting for me to put a mic on me. I walked in that first day like, where's my guys at? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Man, hold on. My assistant, Sakai, laughed and she goes, 
they're gone, Beamer. They're gone. I go, yeah, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know, like, all right, they're gone. You know, just move on. So, you know, it was, it was, it was interesting. You kind of, at first they were annoying because you weren't used to them being there all the time. You got so comfortable and then it was like, where'd they go? So it was interesting. Did anyone like from the show, because obviously we're just watching it from the outside in, was there players that maybe changed like because there was a camera crew there? Like, was there players I that maybe so. were a little bit more cocky now? Or I think so. I think what you saw, Ray, Ray's already going to, you know, he's going to be swag, Mr. Swag. But I think he was right. talking a little bit more shit than he would have if the camera wasn't there. And him and I right. talked about that when he first when it first uh, came out, you know. He called me that first morning. He goes, Coach, that was me. I go, yeah, dumbass, that was you. <laughs> you know? And he's like, man, I told you. That shit's going to haunt you. Now you got to play. So then during the season when he wasn't getting in this year at Oregon State, I kept telling him, see, you keep thinking you all that, that your shit don't stink, brother. Now you're sitting on If you would have listened, it would have been better. And so it was humbling for him, I think, in a lot of ways. And I think it, it was going to make him better in the long run, though, right? And so that's good, right? And I don't mean it, it didn't affect him in some way, but you know, some of the stuff he said, like, really, come on, you got six offers, who cares? You know, right. I didn't change that the guy just took you over to the top. I said, everybody went after you. They all wanted to beat you on national TV. And then the producer said, coach, it's not national TV, it's worldwide. Okay, excuse me. Everyone wants to beat you on worldwide TV, right? <laughs> you know? So um, I think those were interesting things, right? Yeah, and you actually brought something up in that uh, answer about how there are players uh, like Ray, like you were talking about who they have a certain sense, but once they get to that higher level, um, they find that the struggle is real. And there's a lot of people who have aspirations of going there that maybe you don't think they even have what it takes to get there. So can you talk about those difficult conversations, having to break the hard news to them that it's a competitive field out there and it's not for everybody. You know, we had that. They actually show part of it, right, in the, hmm. the exit meetings I have. But the one thing I was a little sad about, they didn't put the contextual behind it. So there's one yeah. guy, Damar, one of our receivers, that I told that, you know, maybe it's time for you not to play anymore. You might not play more football. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that part of the segment. Right. Yeah. So the thing is that what, they, what you didn't know is Damar is a coder. My nickname is I call him Coder Man. <laughs> so he's the last three summers, he's done an internship with Intel. Wow. And he makes he can make one hundred sixty five thousand dollars right now if he wanted to go be a coder. Wow. OK. And he had a chance and he also ran track and he was he had a track possible track scholarship at Cal. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going to be able to play football anymore. And so the schools that were offering him a chance to play football were some NEI Division two schools. Right. Mm -hmm. But they didn't have great computer science programs. So I'm like, do you really want Is that what you want to do? Mm -hmm. Or do you, and, and you know, his mom has cancer and he's helped raising his younger sister. Or do you want to go to a position that you're going to be able to help your family? Mm. So if that's the case, maybe you should think football should end for you. You hear what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But you just right. let me say, well, football should end for you on the show. <laughs> and he ended up taking a scholarship to uh, a track scholarship with Cal State Northwood, which does have a computer science program, good one. And so those are some of the tough decisions, right? Mm -hmm. What do you want to do with your life? You know, for new, when I told New, it was like, hey, you got a wife and two kids. You're both very close to your families. Are you willing to walk, go across the country for a scholarship? Because I kept saying, because I, I, you know, he was sabotaging himself in some ways, both in, on the field, but more importantly in school. Mm -hmm. So bro, do you really want to leave your, you know, your, your comfort zone? And when he finally said, yes, I'm really willing to leave and Tia is willing to leave, 
Mm-hmm. He saw his grades change and he got a division one scholarship and left. Wow. So those are the things that my job is to, you know, help you think about that, right? To help you navigate this, right? So what is, what do you really want out of this, right? You know, and, you know, if there's a particular major you want and this school's offering you a full scholarship, but they mm-hmm. don't have that major, should you really go there? Mm-hmm. And for a lot of our guys, they don't have that, right? They go, well, I'm not sure what I want. I'm fine with that. Then you're a liberal arts studies major and you'll, you know, kind of be well-rounded and you figure out what you want to do. Or if you want to be a teacher, right? Oh, well, you could go anywhere to be a teacher. So that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you say you want to be something in the, the tech industry, then you better stay around California, especially Northern California, because mm-hmm. you're going to be right. to open up a job, you know, that, op- you know, think about it. Damar's first beginning coder job would be for $165,000 a year, mm-hmm. not counting perks and stock options. Right. And he's probably not a beginner coder, right? He's above that. Mm-hmm. So, but he still, you know, he still wants to be a kid. He still wants to do the camaraderie of sports and stuff. And I get that. So let's find mm-hmm. a place to do a little bit of both. Right. I mean, you talk about how education is the most, is, you know, an important factor when you take on these guys and you, uh, when they participate in football, you know, what, do you have like some level of like, I guess like some level where they have to get like a C or higher, or is it like, you know, as long as they're doing decently well in school, it really doesn't matter. So that's a great question, by the way. Cause I, so I told you, my daughter has a, PhD, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, right. She, and she and she graduated from with chemical engineering degree from Stanford. Mm, wow. So, but at one point she came up to me during her senior year and she said, Daddy, remember what you said? C's get degrees, right? I go, Yeah, C's get degrees. She's all right, don't get mad if I get a C in a class this semester because I want to, I mean this quarter, because I want to have some fun. You know, I've been grinding <laughs> to get through this. Mm-hmm. I said, baby, as long as you graduate, I ain't tripping because after this year I ain't paying no more. So you got another <laughs> semester or quarter understand it's coming out your pocket right so we just laugh but the problem is c's get degrees but the nca who the nca does not like community college or jc players right mm-hmm. so they made the rule that you can't get a division one scholarship unless you have a 2.5 right. okay so you to get one you have to have a 2.5 which is kind of dumb because if you're already at that school what school do y'all go to i go to florida international i go to nova okay, southeastern yeah. so, so if you go to Florida International, right, you're a Division One player. You just have to have a 2.0. You're eligible. Mm-hmm. But if you come from a JC, you got to have a 2.5. Well, why is that? You is know, that transferring, like transferring to <laughs> Division transfer One, you get, you get a Division okay. One scholarship. You have to have 2.5. Well, why is that? That doesn't make no sense. Right. Um, so we tell our kids, you, you know, C's get degrees, but to get a scholarship, you got to have C plus. <laughs> you know, and we tell them that, and I, you know, and I, and I say, look, here's the deal, right? There's classes that you know maybe Soch or Afram or some of the ones that you really like and that you're going to do well, you're going to get A's and B's and then math or science mm-hmm. or maybe English that you don't really like, you just got to get a C. So it averages a 2.5 and then you get the right. out. But, you know, I could say 3.0 or whatever. And I tell them that the higher your GPA is, the more chance you get more money. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they get that, but we do a pretty good job. Right. So, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of doctors running around here doing surgeries and lawyers doing court battles that were C students 2.0. Mm-hmm. Just keep that in mind. Right. Yeah. And um, Brandon's actually doing a piece about mental health 
in sports. Uh, so Brandon, can you take that away? I know you had a question. It ties so perfectly into the the uh, mental toll that being not just like you said, an athlete, but a student athlete. Uh, there's a very unique uh, dichotomy there. Right. right. Take it away. And you got big words. You're ready to be a lawyer, brother. <laughs> I got accepted into med school yesterday. So that's congratulations. That's the, the, the Thank you so much. So big, big words, but big words that mean nothing to the average person. <laughs> Brandon, man, you got, you're in trouble here, brother. You going to medical school too? What's up? No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm getting a business degree. That's it. I'm going for my majors after. That's, that's about All it. Right. <laughs> Shit. All right. All right, hit me up. Mental health, let's go. Right, so obviously, all right, so Sam said I'm doing a piece on mental health, and so, you know, the toll that student athletes have to take, you know, not only balancing, you know, the workouts and being go, showing up to practice and games, but also the, the fact that, you know, they also have a school life and potentially a social life, you know, how is it, is, do you ever have those conversations with them about, like, the mental difficulties, or, like, do you have the, you know, talk to them when, you know, kids show signs of like anxiety or depression or something like that well in the show you saw where dior started having panic attacks right mm -hmm, and i put him right. on the phone with my wife my wife's a mental health specialist right mm -hmm. so she worked and worked worked with him to kind of battle some of this but absolutely we spent more and more of our time on mental health right with different issues that come up the stresses right because remember <clears throat> the stresses that we don't even know what they are at home right it mm -hmm. might be an abusive situation at home you know, there may be food insecurities. There's a lot of different things going on. And so you're trying right. to deal with all that. And so my sister and I, Sakai and I, you know, we were dealing with that. We're like, hey, we're spending too much time on this. We got other jobs to do. <laughs> so I brought in a, a, a social worker. Mm -hmm. And so she's been, she spent the last, that just happened to be the first year, last chance. She was her first year. And then she's right. working this year. And I'm working right now to get a grant, hopefully, or, you know, I don't know, I guess it's a grant from the NFL to get more money to continue to have a social worker in our program. I think okay. it's so important, right? I think it, and I'm not talking about in a sense of performance, you know, like there's, there's, you know, psych, you know, psychology of sports people use for sports performance. Mm -hmm. I'm not right. talking about that. And, I, and not that I would downplay that. I'm just talking about to get through life every day to be able to wake up in the morning. Mm -hmm. Many of our student athletes, you know, in, our, in, in the community that I'm at, I'm sure in any community, you know, they have, home, you know, suicidal thoughts. Like, do I belong? They, they're dealing with some deep depression. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just even minor depression. You know, why are they even here? We got so many things going on. And then we are, when, when you're at a community college, right, you're really dealing with it all, right? Remember, we're not paying, they have to, they have to work. Right. Dior, not only was he living in his car, but he had to go to work to Wingstop. To pay right, his bills, right. right? To get gas so he could get to practice, right? To school. Right. There's so many different pressures going on. And then you find out that, you know, there was some issues at home with his father that might, you mm -hmm. know, you know, borderline abusive, obviously, and, you know, uh, mentally abusive and, and, and verbally abusive, if not physically abusive, right? Mm -hmm, right. And so you got to deal with all of that. And then don't get break up with your girlfriend or your boyfriend because that will crush you even more right mm -hmm, right and so you got all of that going on and then you got you know a, a friend that just literally that you were playing football with just died of cancer or you watched mm -hmm. him when he came by go from you know 240 50 pounds to 120 and you see him right mm -hmm. and it was right. bad and so 
you know, you're dealing with all of that, your mortality, right? When you see this vibrant young man dying of cancer in front of your yeah. eyes, you start to really deal with your own mortality. And that's tough. And so all of that's going on. And then you got a coach that's saying, hey, you're not getting it done. We're a result-based business, baby. You're not getting it done. We got yeah. other issues. And you're trying to get this Division One scholarship, right? And so we need someone to help them, someone to help them learn how to express what's going on to you know, share those feelings, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, we want to bring someone in that they can feel confident and comfortable with. Right. So, I mean, you talked about like Dior obviously having to, you know, take on job, you know, take on a job, sleep in his car. I mean, the struggle of being a student athlete, even when you are commuting, it, it's a lot. I mean, during the show, the players that, you know, say they drive two hours to go to Laney, like, does that also kind of play a factor into? Sure. I mean, you know, you're making this commute, you know, you go home, you're already tired. And then let's face it, you would think that they would go to bed early, but they don't. And now they got to get up at four in the morning, five in the morning to get moving to come back. We right. had CJ Anderson, right? He played for the Broncos or the Rams, right? Mm -hmm. Right. His granny used to wake him up every day at 4.30 in the morning so he could get to Laney in time for 6.30 workouts, mm -hmm. right? Wow. And so those are things that occur. And, you know, we try to tell them the sacrifice is worth it, right? For, you know, you end up going to Cal, you end up going to the NFL, have a great NFL career, but you had a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, was it worth it? Yeah, you know, you gotta, you gotta decide that individually if it's worth it or not, but I think it was for him. Oh, it and definitely it was. was. And uh, we'll, we'll get to some, uh, like some rapid fire stories from some of the, the high profile guys that you've coached and had experience with. But before we get to that, um, what about there, there's one final aspect of this that I think is uh, very interesting is that the, the, there's a turnover rate, right? With your rosters, it's every season, it's a different group of guys. So given everything we've talked about managing their, their personal problems, but also still being able to perform in the classroom on the field, uh, talk about the difficulties in managing all the new personalities in the locker room every single season. Well, you got that right. You know, we, we, we turn our 50% of our roster minimum every year, right? Mm -hmm. And so we win the national champ, number one team in the country, state championship, and we depleted our roster. Now we got to come back and rebuild it and play mm -hmm. where everybody wants, you know, and everybody's got a target on your back. And Ray's brother, Shawnee, could have played another year with us, right? Mm -hmm. But he left to go, you know, he had four picks in the Pac-12. I would have mm -hmm. been with him and his brother out there on the corners. We've been pretty good, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. That's the idea, you get him going. And so you do build a new roster and it is something that, but we're used to that. We have to deal with that, but you have to then start to integrate the personalities. Mm -hmm. That's the hard part, right? Remember I've got kids, I got 127 kids start the season, 132 kids start the season. Mm -hmm. They come from, you know, 40, 50, 60 different high schools, 70 high schools, maybe. Right. Mm -hmm. Some have won every game. Some haven't won a game ever. So you're trying to teach them to be a winner and teach them a winning culture. Right. It's tough. Right. And you know, it's an ongoing process. And the, the year that you do a better job with it, you're going to have a better season. Mm -hmm. The year that you don't get the blend going, it's going to be a, it's going to be tough. There's no doubt about it. It's a tough, it's a tough road to hold, you know, high school, you get them for four years, you know, at, at, at Florida and Nash, you get them for four years. Right. right. We get them for a year and a half. Right. All right. So just building off that, I mean, obviously, I mean, you mentioned earlier, like recruitment's really important for you guys and being able to recruit well. 
Um, and we saw at the end of the show that, you know, you guys were just starting the recruitment process right after um, not making the playoffs. It, how important is that recruitment process in terms of getting guys when they're also getting offers from potentially either other community colleges or maybe, you know, division one, division two offers as well? Well, first you have to identify them, right? Who, who the guys are going to be. Then you have to convince them. No one, no one's sitting there like rooting to become a Laney Eagle, right? They're, they're hoping to be someone else. So now you got to break the news that you're not going to division one. Now you got to come play for us. And so you got to start that process. It's hard. It's, it's a long, long process. And remember in, in, in California JCs, there's no signing date. So you're recruiting mm-hmm. them all the way to the first week of the season in August. Okay. They can jump. Yeah, so it doesn't end, right? You got to stay on the whole time. <laughs> and high school kids, some high school kids like to be recruited. They want you to call them, right? Instead of saying, I'm coming, right? Like, oh my gosh, you know? So it's, it's, a, it's a difficult situation. And for us, we don't do out-of-state recruiting really, right? So we just stay locally. Right. So if there's a good bunch of players locally that we want, then you got to almost hope that they're not good in school. Because <laughs> then they got to come to a JC, right? Mm-hmm. But not only they're good players, but they're good in school. Well, then they're all getting Division One scholarships. So now we're stuck again. So you know, a lot of things got to fall in place for us. And so it's a really long process. You know, it's difficult. Yeah, right. there's a lot of conversations, obviously, with players that go into that. Like you said, convincing them not just to go uh, to your school, but also what can they do beyond, right? It's what can Laney do for them, and what can they do obviously for the school to win uh, in the short term right oh yeah absolutely you know but we start with selling the same thing right our education all our support that we're going to give you right then we build on our winning record but really it's starting with you know we're going to support you we're going to make sure that you can be successful academically number one mm-hmm. you know i'm going to be on campus every day my coaches are going to we got you know five coaches on campus every day we are here to help you right that's our job and then we'll build it. We're gonna make you. Then we'll make you a better football. We're gonna teach you technique. We're gonna teach you how to understand the game. And then, because I've been doing this forty years, I know coaches at every find you a place to go to school. And that's what we do. Right. So I mean, your does the connections obviously help. So when players come to you and say, you know, I I have these schools in mind, like what's your initial, you know, conversation that you have with them? I try to tell everybody, like, if you're being, you know, a highly recruited guy, what are you looking for in a school? That's the same thing I ask when I'm recruiting a JC kid. Hey, what are you looking for? And I tell them to be honest, put down your list, right? What are you looking for? Well, I want to go, I want to be in a power five. Okay, put that down. That's your number one choice? Yeah. You know, I want to be a Nike school versus Adidas school. All right, fine. I think it's a dumb idea, but go ahead, put it down. Because it's got to be what's important to you, you know? And then I want to know if I can get on the field, how fast I can get on the field. Okay, so you start to do that, and then you have them do that list, and it's my job to go through that list with you all the time. Right. I'll never forget this. I had a kid, big-time player, right, parade All-American high school guy, number one player in his position in the country. He says, Coach, I, don't, I can't stand the cold. I am not going anywhere where it's snowing or rains. Okay. <laughs> so that means you go to USC or UCLA. Yep, I'm going to go US, or Arizona, Arizona. All right, fine. He goes to the University of Oregon. Like, dude, no rains there. What are you thinking? Well, I know, but I just, okay. But that's not what you said, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think those are important things to remind them over and over. Well, if you don't like the snow and the rain, you know, then you go there. Mm-hmm. Why? That's your fault. And then he comes back and tells the coach, I hate this place. Why? It's cold and wet all the time. It's never sunny. 
dude, you picked that, brother. I didn't pick it. Mm-hmm. So you try to help them, right? And you try to get them to understand, like, you know, I want to go here. But this is one thing I always tell them. Well, if you're if, if, if school A is telling you you're going to come in and play, and school B, you know you got to compete against somebody because you want to play in the league. Mm-hmm. Well, shouldn't you go to a place where you got to compete? Because if you can't beat that guy out, how are you going to go to the league anyways? Right, right. If you're afraid of competition, then you, you're not my guy. You're not my type of guy. Right. Because you're going to, every place you go, you have to compete at some point, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so you might as well get used to it now to see where you really stand. Would you say that's something that you look for while recruiting, that, that it factor yeah. in the guy? I want to know if you're ready to compete, you know. When we came off the, the championship and guys, were, we heard some high school guys tell us, well, we hear you're loaded. We don't want to go there. I told our guy, we don't want that kid anyways. <laughs> He's afraid to compete. Because mm-hmm. I tell every time you come in, when I start recruiting in January, when we start recruiting like this time of year now, and I tell the guys, that are the freshmen coming back, I'm like, hey, I'm going out find a guy better than you. You already know that, right? He goes, what do you mean? I've got to get someone better than you. And they go, oh, shit. So they remember that. So when they're, you know, and they, they got, because we want to keep getting better. And I right. want someone to push you to get better, right? We are not all able to push ourselves. No matter how much we say we can drive mm-hmm. our own selves, it doesn't work that way. We are creatures of comfort, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to push to a, a point where it becomes uncomfortable, then we stop. Well, guess what? If you bring someone in that can push you past that, you're going to be a better player. Right. You know, so let's find that person that's going to push you. Right. Also, just really quickly, um, the fact that, you know, during the show also, there was a lot of, you know, former players of yours or alumni that would come in, you know, some of them that you hired as assistant coaches or, or, or just uh, in positions where they can help the team. How important is that when you have guys that all have gone through, you know, your coaching system and know your coaching style and also, you know, can impact a team? Well, number one, I think it's so important because if you did such a good job, they want to be around you. I want to be around. I want my sister to be guys. I want to be around. Right. 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 You spend a lot of time. I don't want to be with some guy I don't like. You know, mm-hmm. I don't like you. I want to be with someone that, that makes me comfortable. I want to hang with. That's number one. Number two is because I have my own unique style of coaching. Mm-hmm. If you've already played for me, then you can share that with somebody else. Like, look, coach is hard, but it works. Trust me. Look where I'm at. You know what I mean? Right. And then the next part is those guys, a couple like DG, you know, he played in the league. You want, I'm, I'm telling you when I'm recruiting you to play corner, not only does DG know about me because he played for me, that boy played in the league at the highest mm-hmm. level. Right. That's who you want to, that's what you aspire to be. Well, guess what? He knows what it takes to be there because he got there. So that's right. who you should be le- learning from. So I try to do it that way, you know? Yeah. And you have this alumni network now. Uh, like you said, there's been guys that have made it to the league that have played at the highest level. Before we wrap up, we want to get some of those off the field stories because we know what, what they do on the field. We could watch tape. We could see that. We want to know the off the field stories. Let's just start with um, someone that we mentioned a couple of times already on the episode, CJ Anderson. Well, I think the funniest thing was CJ, right? CJ came to Laney mm-hmm. and uh, you know, he didn't know what he was going to major in. He took, this guy Amir's class with his philosophy and he ended up being a philosophy major. And now if you ask CJ why you became a philosophy major, he said, well, I don't know much about philosophy, but in Amir's class, all we get to do, you get to argue <laughs> and you get to argue your point until you submit someone just gives up. I like arguing coach. Right. So 
He was a philosophy major, right? Pretty simple, you know? I think those are things that are interesting. CJ, when he was a, fr- a rookie with the Broncos, and he was, he was at, they were playing the Raiders. So I got, you know, because of, I've been doing so long, I, I, I worked for the Raiders and did some things. So I was on the field prior to the start of the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to, to CJ and he was talking about, well, he was down this week, meaning that he wasn't active, right? Mm-hmm. But the other guys are up, but coach, they broke curfew and they did this, they did that. I said, hold on, CJ, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Why are you worried about what somebody else did do or didn't do? Mm-hmm. What are you doing to get on the field? That's all that matters. Quit worrying about everybody else. Worry about your ass. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, he starts the next year, right? The following year, he's in the Pro Bowl, right? Takes mm-hmm. him to the Super Bowl, right? And you got to just tell him, wait, quit worrying about everybody else. Do you, and you'll be fine. And he was. I mean, I think those are kind of the things that are so important, right, is to not change um, Marvell, Marvell Smith played 10 years in the NFL, one of the highest paid linemen ever, or at the time, two Super Bowl rings, all pro. And the one thing we would talk all the time, you know, when he was a rookie and, and, and everything, you know, like, hey, you left early. You got your degree. Now I ain't got my degree. You got your degree. No, I ain't got my degree. What are you going to do? I'm finished. Work, I'm working on it. Finally, like, coach, can you give me your address? Why? Don't worry about it. Just give me your address. All right. Oh, cool. He's going to send me some Steeler gear probably. You know what I mean? <laughs> So what did he send me? A copy of his degree. Wow. Wow. That's what I want to see. You know, those are important things, right? Those are the important things that, that, are, that, that happen. You know what I mean? And I want to be able to share that. Or that for Marvell every year, you know, he didn't miss many camps and everything because every year, he, he, even though he was a second-round draft pick, pro <laughs> bowler, he took on every year like his job was going to be taken from him because he didn't believe it could hold on to it. And he prepared like it was battle because he grew up with no money, you know, mm-hmm. no nothing. And now he's making good money, right? It's a right. big difference, right? So he didn't get complacent in his life. You know, that was important to him to take care of his family. Now he doesn't have to work. He's taken mm-hmm. care of his money. He's done everything the right way. And now, you know, his family and he are set, you know, and he didn't come from that environment, but he's living in it now. Shit, he lived in Calabasas, right? His neighbors were the Kardashians. I remember asking him, man, how do you, and I would go up to his house, you know, his gated community, I'd go up there and he's like, how do you like it up here with the Kardashians? Everybody goes, coach, I hate it. I go, why? Man, he got paparazzis there. So what do you do? And his wife goes, coach, you don't want to know. Marvell starts giggling. I go, Marvell, what do you do? Man, I try to run him over with my car. <laughs> I get him my way. I just try to run him over, you know, because they just annoy. He goes, they're just so annoying, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, those are some of the things that are just interesting that you 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 find, and the personalities, right? Mm-hmm. Or Frank Summers. Frank Summers had a learning disability, and so okay, he was a fifth round draft pick with the Steelers, and then he went on IR, got hurt. And he had all this free time. And he said, I said, I said, Frank, what are you doing with all this free time? Man, you got to do something, right? He goes, coach, I'm giving back to the community. Like you said, all right, what are you doing? I go read to the elementary school once a week. I go to the school, I go read to him. I said, okay, how's that going? You know, he goes, coach, I practice all week. So I know the story so I, so I can read. I won't make a mistake, you know, when I go read. <laughs> because it was important. And he tells him I'm dyslexic, right? So it was important for him to share right. that. But he practiced all week to make sure that when he read to these elementary school kids, he could do a good job with it, right? And I say that in all honesty, because you know what? I'm mad that you got a learning disability. I'm only mad if you try to hide it from Mm. the fact that 
you know, prevent you or use it as an excuse for you not to be successful. And I just wrote a letter of recommendation for him um, last week, actually. He's going to go into a master's program, get his uh, marriage and fi family uh, uh, therapy uh, license, you know, to be a master's in family and therapy at you know, the UNLV. So I'm excited wow. about that. You know, he wants to work with young people to help them, you know, deal with mental health, what we just talked mm -hmm. about. And so he was a, he played at Laney, right? He went to Cal originally. I coached him in high school and went to Cal on a scholarship and then mm -hmm. out leaving Cal because of, you know, learning disability grades, came to Laney and led the state in rushing, ended up being, going to UNLV fifth round draft pick, but he always had to deal with his learning disability, but he found a way around it. You know, one was not, was not to be ashamed to ask for help, right? Mm -hmm. It's not your fault that you got dyslexia, right? It, you can't you can't go to the weight room and make it go away. You can't lift your weight out of it because he would try. You know, that guy <laughs> would bent four hundred and fifty pounds. Shit, you know. So he's like, I'm gonna beat I'm gonna beat dyslexia. No, brother, you ain't in the weight room. <laughs> Just relax. We'll get you help. But I think those are the types of stories, you know, um, that we share. Dwight Elders was another guy. He played for and went to Morehouse, and I saw him. He was working for Apple and doing some apple stuff okay. and you know i'm trying to get some apple computer stuff and figure geek stuff and he's helping me out and he goes coach i want to get into photography i go well you know lady's got a great photography program mm -hmm. you know he goes really yeah you should go out there so he, you know went learned some photography when the show came out we reconnected again he's down in atlanta and you know he's he was futures um photographer and now he's his manager wow you know wow. But he says, coach, at one point when I met Future, I didn't, I was ready to get evicted. I didn't have any money. You know, I went through a divorce. I got my backpack with business cards and my camera. Mm -hmm. And I just started going with them to film. And he just, you know, like I like they would take the, the caravan of cars, the, the posse would go, and I'd be mm -hmm. using public transportation to get where we needed to go. <laughs> and I took his pictures and he just liked it. I just remember what you said. Don't let it let it don't let it be an excuse, right? Get mm -hmm. it done. So you got two feet, make them work. So he said, I made my two feet work and I got there. So I think those are some of the stories, right? That you can always tell. Um, and I want to tell them, right? I, I want that, that story to be out there, right? I want that story. We had another guy, Mike Norris was at UCLA and at the time the DC mm -hmm. would punish him because he would miss meetings because he was in pre-med. You, you could appreciate that. The labs are kind of oh, in the yeah. afternoon, right? Well, the head coach knew he was pre-med and they said they could be, but they're going to, you know, like, keep him from playing because he's going to the he just says coach i had a choice i said what'd you do what choice did you make you already know what i mean i said i bet you went to the lab didn't you? I said, yep i went to the lab perfect mm -hmm. guess what he's a doctor now Bye so on. you know i mean those are the things that you you know it's unfortunate as coaches we make someone make that choice mm -hmm. it's a meeting we can work around a meeting i can meet with you later i can meet with you earlier he didn't mm -hmm. miss practice he missed meetings you know so i think those are important things so we can work things around at times i would hope yeah, and, and those are really great stories. And I think each of those in its own way has a life lesson that applies not just to football. This isn't about football. It's bigger than that, right? These these guys all found success. A few of the guys we talked about found great success in the game. But then, like you said, there is people that went on uh, to be successful in medicine, in managing uh, high-profile celebrities, in um, all sorts of things, in Apple. Uh, so that that's a really great thing. Before we wrap, can you just talk about uh, maybe like one or two things that you teach in the context of football that really do apply for all things in life. Wow. I think, you know, there's a 
I think number one is you're going to get your ass knocked down, right? Okay. So get up. And when you get up, I'm not saying get up by yourself always. Maybe you should. Sometimes you can't, but sometimes mm -hmm. you can't. So then if you can't, who's going to help you give you a hand to get up, mm -hmm. right? During when we had all the social injustice going on, we had the protests for Black Lives Matter, right? Mm -hmm. I, re I, re I reached out to a lot of my friends and ex-players, you know, Black friends and ex-players, and I texted them. I just said, you know what? I love you, and I will always stand next to you. Mm. I didn't say I'm going to stand behind you. I want to be next to you. Right. Right? And that's what we teach in football, right? And we teach that, you know, that I love you. Mm-hmm but I'm going to be next to you. We're in this together. And I think, you know, that goes back to this whole thing, giving a hand, helping somebody out, you know, guys would come back that played in the NFL for a long time or even short time coach, man, I want to get you a car. I want to do this. No, I don't need shit, brother. I got my own car. Right. Mm -hmm. But what I need to do is give a hand to the next group of people, right. find a way to help somebody else out. That's what I need. Coming, so my guys will come in. If I call and there's a problem with somebody's got a problem, I can call any one of my guys. They'll reach out and make that call for me anytime. That's what I want, right? <laughs> they can inspire them to, you know, whether it's to be in the league or be, you know, Division One or whatever, just a job, just be able to reach out. And I think that is so important, right? <laughs> um, and that's, that's what family does, right? You know, we can't enable each other, right? I can't make excuses. Why, you know, you get your ass knocked down. If I pick you up all the time, you never learn to pick yourself up. But I'll give you my hand every once in a while, you know, when it gets tough. But you got to learn to get up yourself, mm -hmm. you know. And so, but I'm going to stand there with you while you do it, though. How about that, right? I'll encourage you while you do it. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes my encouragement, you know, it might be a little rough around the edges, <laughs> right? And sometimes it's not. You know, if, if you need a hug, I have no problem hugging. I have no problem giving you a big old kiss on the forehead, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with my masculinity, right? You know, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> we just do what we do, you know, like, hey. And so, but it's okay to say, I love you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's, right. you know, we got to say that sometimes, right? And for men, especially in the community I come from, where I'm working with, sometimes they forget that men among men don't want to say that sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And we need to be, we got to change that dynamic a little bit. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Uh, that's some great words of wisdom, like, like I said, outside of the game as well, but it's applicable to both. Um, thank you so much for joining us. If you guys enjoyed this episode, we got uh, a lot of energy uh, for this one. So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed, please leave a five-star review on Apple, on Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, thank you again, John Bean, for joining us. Here we go. One clap. Ready, ready? Oh, boy. Mm -hmm.